Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that thinks Agent Fred nearly blew his cover last night. On today's part, we're paying homage to a Bernardo Silva masterpiece and looking forward to City's trip to Watford tomorrow. We'll also be retreading some familiar ground concerning our need for a centre forward, but just for one last time, I promise. To discuss all this and more, I'm delighted to be joined by two Friday favourites in the form of Chris and Harry. Hi Chris, you well? Yeah, I'm well mate, thank you very much. How's things with you? All good, all good. Yeah, it's been a busy week, but better than the alternative, so can't complain as they say. Yeah, same with me. It's been a bit, it's flown by this week, really, really busy. Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah. It feels like Thursday. Um, yeah. Uh, Harry, you there, man? Yes, I'm good, mate. Just really enjoying watching City at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's enjoyable. Uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game. Um, Watford are a bit of a, I don't know, kind of hit and miss right now, so it's hard to predict, which we'll get to shortly. Um, but I'm looking forward to that aspect. Um, so, your week's been good? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just really. Busy. You said it, the week's gone fast. My year's gone fast. It feels like <laughs> it feels like yesterday. It was, it was January. So now, just it, every week, I just kind of take it a week as it comes at the moment because everything is just hundred miles an hour for me at the moment. Check you. I've been a Premier League manager, just taking it one week at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're even getting PR answers for me now on this podcast. <laughs> He's just, it, it's the, he's just thinking about the next pod as it comes and, <laughs> yes. and getting three points. That's all that is. It doesn't count. It's an individual performance as long as the pod goes well and we move forward. That's all Brilliant. <laughs> um, before we look ahead to the Watford game, we have got to look back at the Villa game and, and one particular aspect of it. Um, special emphasis must go on Bernardo's goal and indeed his performance. Um, let's start with the latter. Chris, is there a better player around right now? I'm seeing the people on Twitter saying he's the best in the Premier League. I don't really go in for such nonsense, but he's got to be up there, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, you've you got to be careful with his best of because yeah. you, 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 we have to consider how much how much we watch City and how much we watch other football teams. And so, you know, we only see highlights. As we know, David Silva was one of the best players we'd ever seen, but his highlights really isn't partic- wouldn't have been particularly sensational. It's what he did over the whole 90 minutes. But I would say the thing about Bernardo at the minute is, number one, he does things that nobody else in the Premier League can do. Uh, and, and number two, he's doing it at such a consistently high level through this season so far, which does put him in that upper echelon of, 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 of players. And I would say in terms of impact and in terms of, yeah, impact and in terms of management of game, uh, but particularly impact, there's probably only Salah who could compete with him really, yes. uh, yeah. at, at the moment. But he certainly stand out. I mean, to stand out in this City team is a remarkable achievement. So yeah, the, I just hope he can maintain it through the rest of the season. Just a, a quick bugbear. Um, every time he scores or does something well and it's on the telly, the co-commentator will always say, oh, it's, it's amazing to think that City nearly got rid of him yeah, in the summer. Yeah. No, we didn't. We didn't want to let, get, rid, get rid of him at all. The player himself wanted to move, and it's an important distinction to make. Um, Harry, that, that's going to be one of the best goals we've seen for some time in, in a City shirt. Um, how did you view it? How did you respond to it? Probably the same as everyone. I think if you take out the Cancelo... One two with Mares, which was probably equally as impressive yeah. at the edge of the box. It's a point where Mares had it. I was thinking, please release it. Um, 
I think it was four touches between the edge of our box and the back of the net. Yeah. I think Fernandinho's pass, Jesus setting himself, playing the ball in and Bernardo's strike. It was just one of the the purest Pep Guardiola goals you'll ever see. It's just mm. no other words to describe it. It's just, just stunning, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I think, 19 seconds from the... Was it a cross by Villa? Uh, sorry, was it a corner by Villa? Yeah, it started with a corner. It, 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 if you look at it, it's almost a perfect goal because contrary to popular belief, goals are actually quite hard to score because all the component parts have to work. Mm. And and like you said, for, once Fernandinho receives it, like Harry says, four touches and... And I think the most audacious thing was Bernardo not not thinking for a second I'm going to take a touch here, just just passing it into the back of the net. I was so, I told Bernardo to fuck off after that goal. I was so, <laughs> I was so stunned at what, at, at what he like. I stood up and said, "Fuck off, Bernie," because it was so it was so outrageous. But yeah, it's it's it was the decision making. That once Fernie saw the because we, we we rarely counter like that we normally keep possession and let the t- and let the opposition reform so we can get our shape back. Fernie saw a gap. Jesus took one touch, perfect cross, and it, and, and it was it was gift wrap for Bernardo. In terms of execution, it was a I, I think it was close to a perfect goal because it because it was flawless. There were no mistakes with the touches and the assist and the finish. Yeah, I, I actually um, my Amazon Prime. Um, coverage was about kind of 20 seconds, 30 seconds behind everyone else's. So I think it was you, Chris, who said fuck off as well on, yeah. on WhatsApp. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Villa have scored. So, and there they are on the attack Villa. So, you know, it all fit. And then suddenly City broke. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> but incredible goal. Um, which leads us to ask, um, and I've been thinking long and hard about this. I'm not really happy with my answer. But I'll start with you, Harry. What's the best goal you've ever seen live? Oh, if you want to take sort of a few elements into it in terms of like player moment, his personal ability, you can't really look past Vincent's against Leicester. But mm. for me, the best goal I've ever seen live was in the 2014, um, whatever it was called, cup final back then. Um, Yaya Torre's goal yeah. for me was one of the, and I was completely behind where it was struck. And it was another one of them. Why are you shooting from there moments as it's flying through into the top corner? Um, just, stupid stupidly good technique um, and I don't know why we're surprised I mean we could do a top 10 of Yaya's crazy goals that are unexplainable but that one for me I was just absolutely stunned by it. one of them well like you said with a Bernardo goal I just kind of stood there oh my god like he's actually done that yeah. in a big game when we were 1-0 down we were struggling yeah just typified probably Yaya Torre as a footballer that's the thing is the occasion as much as the, the, mm. the, the audacity. It all came together so perfectly. And um, Chris, what's the best goal you've ever seen live? I think technically, I mean, it's hard to answer because I was because a lot of great goals I've seen have been against City, but I'd rather favour um, um, mm. for City. I remember I, I was sat in the Kipax directly behind Nicholas Jensen when he scored that volley against right. Leeds. And and it was I remember because in terms of because I I distinguish between goals that are about individual opportunism like that where where Anelka crosses and he just he puts his laces through it and technically it's absolutely perfect because I was directly behind him I just saw the angle and the curve of the ball go into the net so it was a beautiful but technically for Jensen because Jensen was a quite a technical player for for, for a left back. 
But I also think I also really like goals that are about team play, um, where actually the finish is is, is a lot less um, you know explosive than the actual build up to it. And the game that we looked at recently in games of our lives, that the, the seven two against Stoke was full of team mm. assist games mm. where I, I was I had my head in my hands going, how did they just put that goal? Together, all those component parts work perfectly. So there was two goals in there, particularly the one that um, that Sterling scored from De Bruyne's blind pass and and, and Leroy's uh, uh, square ball, and then also obviously that incredible crossfield assist to Leroy that, that that KDB put in. So yeah, I think that game is full of goals. But in terms of individual technique, being there live in the stadium it was Jensen's. It was an, it was just a beautiful execution, which he didn't wallop. He just put his laces through in a really sort of tender way with a ball and, and, and it took the flight into the net it was a gorgeous goal to, to, to observe live it was uh, I'm not happy with my answer but I'm going for Peter Crouch against City uh, at Stoke um, even the City fans were kind of you know what can you say about that you have to give credit to a goal like that um, what struck me was from the very moment it left his boot you knew it was in and it was a full what 28 29 yards out Um Fantastic volley. So I'd go for Peter Crouch. Although, into, for a City perspective, I'd go for Ian Brightwell's at Old Trafford. Um, again, though, and, and there's definitely a common theme here from the three of us. It was because I was in line with it. And so I could see it. It was so perfect. And I swear blind that Jim Layton got his fingertips to that ball. Um, you watch it on, on tape and he's nowhere near it. Um, he does. He gets his fingertips. I remember it distinctly. Uh, just a great goal. And, you know, then it came in, Old Trafford made it all the more special. Okay, um, talking of great goals, or just goals in general, um, the title race is shaping up as expected, with City, Chelsea, Liverpool all in the reckoning. However, it's really odd to see City with a worse goal difference of a three. So many times in the last 10 or so years, we've had the best goal difference. We could rely on that. In the back of our minds, we're thinking, if this title race goes to the wire, that's an extra point right there. We don't have that this time. Um, can we continue to share the goals around all season, Harry? I think we have to. Um, I think there's no two ways about that. I think Pep said on Tuesday that if we didn't do that last season, then we wouldn't even qualify for the Champions League. So you can probably tell where his head's at with it. Yeah. Um, but but we are at the moment. You can't get away with that. We're sharing the goals around well. We're, we're still competing up there with, with Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, and hopefully when we get a few players back and, and settled into fitness, uh, they can start contributing with with some more goals because the goal scorers that you would normally see up there in terms of, you thinking Foden, you thinking De Bruyne and Armie chips in with a few, they're not even anywhere close at the moment. I mean, De Bruyne is, I think he's not even on the board assist-wise, is he? Mm. Um, so you're hoping that once they find their groove, they can chip in too um, because at the moment is there is a select few that are scoring uh, uh, goals on a regular basis. It was nice to see um, Raheem contribute with another assist the other night as well. Shows he's sort of trying to take his chances and, and find his way back into a form. But if we do want to keep up there, and I know Pep said it in, in midweek as well, we've not got a, a Jota, Salah, Mane front three. We've not. So we're going to have to rely on these goals from all over the pitch. And it's just about getting plays in the right areas. And, and at the moment we are doing that, so we can't really complain. Chris, would a prolific goal scorer make us firm favourites of the three? I, I'm struggling with this, dude, because I, I don't see a problem Okay, right now. If you look at the table, I, 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 I don't see a problem. 
Um, you know, we've got two losses and, and they've come from a freak result against Spurs and just, and then just a poor performance against Palace. Yeah, we've got a much lower goal difference. And as we've known in the past, that can actually make a difference. But I didn't think it was a problem last season either because we got to the Champions League final and, and won the title without a, a regular recognised goal scorer in our ranks. So I actually think now, I think we've, I almost think we've passed this conversation about, of course, a regular goal scorer would probably, uh, sorry, a regular a, a, a strike would probably make a difference. But, but as we see, every new player that comes into City usually needs a year, one season at least, to, to adjust to the system to bring the best out of them. Pretty much like has happened with Grealish and happened with Mares. That would apply to a new striker coming in, whether that was Kane or Haaland or, 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 or whoever, if we were if we were in the position that if we were in fifth or sixth in the table, I'd be thinking that there's a component missing. So I'm not worried at all because I I think I'm pretty confident that Pep doesn't see that the, the having no strikers an issue. He's made a virtue of the fact, and 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 if if we have eight players who get eight or nine goals throughout the season, that will contribute to to being there or thereabouts at the end of the season. So. A striker would possibly make a bit of a difference, but I categorically do not think it is an issue. And I think the table testifies to that. Fair enough. I think Pat actually gets a kick out of it. I think he gets a thrill from it. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it tests him, um, his, his coaching acumen, and he enjoys that, that aspect of trying to win the league two years running without a striker. I mean, that's one hell of an achievement. Um, yeah. Harry, just quickly before we move on then, do you think that Liam Delap would have seen some game time had he not been injured this season? It's a hard question to answer. Um, maybe, but maybe to the, the same same game time as Cole Palmer. Maybe. Yeah, I can't have yeah. seen him just being thrown in there. Um, I think if he was as special uh, as some people make him out to be, he'd have started a lot more games pre-injury. Yeah. Um, there's obviously like Chris said a lot of adaptation period even for the youngsters coming into the first team squad um, it's a shame that he's got an injury because obviously we will never know um, it's also a shame that we gambled on him featuring and, and not going out on loan and, and now he has picked up an injury which is probably the most annoying thing for City that he's not been able to go out and have that experience um, but I'd, I think it'd be easy to say that he'd just be thrown into the team and be scoring goals. I think Pep prefers, I mean, Pep, Pep's whole philosophy is he loves an extra midfielder in yeah. there. So at the moment, it's probably a dream for him to not have a striker. Um, would we play as free flowing up front with Liam Delap there, a youngster that's inexperienced who, although he's an absolute deadly finisher, is maybe not as influential in build up play? You're probably sacrificing quite a key component of the build-up at the moment to put a striker up there. Um, they're obviously probably willing to do that with Harry Kane, but he was obviously Premier League proven, guaranteed goals. Would they have risked that with a youngster? I don't think they would have. Okay. Well, I promise never to bring this up again. I think we have covered the, the subject thoroughly. Um, but yeah, it just struck me, just as I was looking at the league table, and, and another thing that struck me, incidentally, only four teams in the Premier League right now have a plus goal difference. Yeah, yeah. that that I, I, uh, I noticed that as well. That is a remarkable mm. stat, and I'm not. I'm still working out what what that what patterns that yes. stats are, are are suggesting. Uh, you know, in terms of are, are we are teams conceding more? Uh, are they scoring fewer? So yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see that how how that unravels, particularly over the Christmas period when we've got mm. back to back games the whole time to see uh, if that does have an impact. Mm. And he's not even with Chelsea as well. I mean, they've bought 
a hundred million pound striker or there or thereabouts. Yeah. And their top goal scorer is Reese James at the moment. Mm. So, and they're top of the table and they're sharing the goals as well. I think every team who wants to win the title can't be as reliant on one goal scorer. How many times in the past did we say, well, we're too reliant on Sergio here with the goals. We need a few people to chip in. And now we have got a few people chipping in. We are missing a striker. Well, that's <laughs> but, the thing. Yeah. And, and what you both have said actually, and particularly, I think it was you, Chris, who said about the, um, you know, we need to for a player to adapt. And we're seeing it with Lukaku too at Chelsea. And yeah. yes, of course, he's primarily proven, but it's a new setup, new system, new manager, new teammate. Um, last season at Inter, he was scoring 118 goals, uh, a goal every 118 minutes. It's 228 now, so it's an extra 100 minutes per goal. Um, and that's, you know, excluding injuries. That's just when he's been playing. So he is struggling to settle into that Chelsea setup. Of course, he'll come good eventually, but... Even Lukaku, it takes time. Okay, let's move on to Watford D City. Um, don't know quite why, but I always like this fixture. I always make, it always feels very kind of late eighties, kind of eighty nine to me. Um, Hornets have impressed quite a fair bit under Ranieri, but the results aren't anything to shout about. Really, they've had two big wins against um, Everton and United, but five losses. Not a clean sheet among them, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I've got a bad feeling about this. Um, Harry, am, am I right to have a bad feeling about this? Oh, I hate being positive on this podcast. It normally signifies a bad result <laughs> around the corner. Um, but I, I looked back on some of the stats, and I know you've I saw on the agenda that you put the stats at the bottom for Watford in general, but just at Vicarage Road, uh, we've we've not lost there since 2007, and that's in all comps, mm. by an aggregate score of 19-2. So, <laughs> I mean... It, it's very hard to say that you can't be pretty confident going into this game. I, I completely take your point, Re-Ranieri, and how they're playing at the moment. They play without fear, which is something that Watford haven't done in the past against Sitter. Yeah. Um, they've got a few players who are flying. I mean, the, the, the Dennis, is it Dennis up front who's absolutely yeah. flying at the moment? Um, but look, looking at this game on paper, City should be comfortably winning it. We've got a good record there. We've got a few players who like scoring there. I think Rian Maris has got a particularly good record at Vicarage Road as well. Um, so it's a game that we've got to be winning. But I completely take your point on uh, on Ranieri and, and how Watford are playing. But, you know, <laughs> I don't want to sound too Man United, but we are Manchester City in this part of the season. <laughs> we, should be, we should be beating these hard teams. Um, Chris, kind of same question, really. How do you feel about this game? How do you feel about Watford? Lads, it's Watford. <laughs> <laughs> This is going to so, so come back and bite us on the arse. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's not. And I'm not even going to touch wood on this one. But <laughs> I, it, if context is everything, okay? Ranieri, I, I, his previous record does describe him as a really good manager of players. And so when he won the title with Leicester, he, he, once he'd made a few tweaks, he, he managed the environment the players could, could, could thrive. But the two recent victories they've had have been over hospital cases with United and Everton, <laughs> who, who at the time, both teams were there for the taking. So so when, when Watford beat United, it, it was hilarious, but I actually wasn't. I was shocked, but I wasn't surprised by it because United were absolutely there for, for the taking and that was the tipping point for, for, for Solskjaer. And the same at the minute, Everton are very dysfunctional. But to echo what Harry says, you know, yeah, this is Manchester City, but the key thing is, 
we're just a better team. And what mm. we have proven, particularly in the game, well, less so maybe against Villa, but definitely against West Ham, is we now have become expert at managing games. We've been expert at being able to strangle the life out of the opposition and, and suffocate them with our, with, with our possession. I expect Watford to come at us, be, not, not just because they're playing the champions, but because they're fighting for their life. But they can come at us all they want. The simple fact is we know how to defend ourselves and, and manage against teams like that. So I have I have no fear whatsoever. I expect the first 15 minutes of, of intent of 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 uh, what for trying to pressurize us. But I just assume I assume it's going to roll out like most of these games have this season. Is City slow down the pace and start to to, to manage the game out. So I I'm not concerned at all. Well, you're making me feel better because I'm, I genuinely feel a touch pessimistic about this one. Um, I've got a bad feeling about it. Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, Harry, earlier about the aggregate scoreline, I mean, if you take it even further back, it's ridiculous. The last time we beat us was, as you said, 1989. We've won the last 13 meetings. That aggregate scoreline from the last eight encounters is 37 to 3. <laughs> Ridiculous. But they are just not going to roll over on this one. I, I can't see it. I, I, I hope you're both right. As regards to the team lineup, we'll start with you, Harry. Who's likely to come in? Oh, good question. Um, well, Foden and Grealish, probably the two obvious ones, um, with, with their inclusion on the bench. Yeah. Um, and then it is really a flip of a coin. I have absolutely no idea on the situation. Re, Walker, Gundogan, uh, and John Stones. So, I'd say probably more akin to the the team in midweek uh, that got the job done, maybe with a, a bit of Foden, Grealish sprinkled in there. Mm. Um, unless Walker and, and Gundogan's injuries were so minor that they can just slot back in and it was just a precaution. Um, it's a pretty tough team to choose. Uh, Laporte's back from suspension as well, so he could be one that, that slots back in. Uh, but with the injury situation at the moment, that is slowly getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um there's a bit of an unknown and, and Pep's not typically good at telling you when players are going to be back. So, you know, even if he is asked later today, if they'll be back, he just go, I don't know. So it is really a toss of the coin at the moment. Um, even injuries permitting, might Bernardo be rested, Chris? Um, I mean, I hope not. But, but I think it will be about who's available to be able to, to control that midfield area and, mm. you know, and, and, and it, it, Bernardo, as we referred to earlier in the pub, it's the dynamic in the team that Bernardo brings. There's nobody else uh, like him. I, what I would, what I would say is that I really hope that Sterling maintains his, his position yes. yeah. as a starter because, you know, Grudish has got loads of time, but, but the, the, there's a certain urgency uh, but for me, about Sterling finding his form again and finding his enjoyment again of playing in the City team, and I've started to see. I thought that the, I thought his goal against PSG was pivotal, even even though it was it was a slightly scrappy tap in. The fact is, it was significant for him. It was significant for the fans to see the role that he plays. So I, I really hope that that Sterling isn't rested. Um, but I was as surprised as anyone when I saw the team sheet on Wednesday and I just thought, okay, I, I, I don't know about these injuries or is Pep just being a little bit uh, maverick on this? But I, but I think, I think it'll be a, 
it might, I don't know, it might not be as difficult as the Villa game, uh, but I hope that if the injuries are clear, we can get Laporte back in, we can get uh, Gundogan back in again. But my priority would be don't bench Sterling. He's starting to find some form. We're going to need him to have that form for the rest of the season. Yeah, good shout. Um, okay, well, you already said how you think it will play out, Chris, with a kind of a frantic opening 15 minutes and settling down for kind of city domination, I guess. Um, a score prediction from yourself? I, I mean, t- to be fair, Watford aren't shy of scoring. They've scored 19 goals this season, but they've also conceded 26, which is the third highest number of goals conceded this season. I think they might score one, but I'm going to say 4-1. To okay. Um, Harry, how do you see it playing out and score prediction? Um, just quickly on, on the mm. team, we've got the most nothing of nothing games on Wednesday, is it, against Leipzig? It's like a 5.45 kickoff with an empty stadium. So if yeah. you're going to rest anyone then, you don't even send them on the plane to, to Germany, do you? So um, in, in these games, it's for me, all the time, especially away from home, it's about getting an early goal and sort of silencing the crowd. If we can do that and take our chances, we normally take control of the game quite quickly. Uh, I expect us to dominate the game. Um yeah, it's a good point about Watford scoring recently. Um, I'd probably go 3-1 Sitter. I'm going 2-1 Watford. <coughs> just sure. got a bad feeling about it. I'm no, just, come on, Steve. <laughs> you sound like you Howard. Were, come on. <laughs> you were full in the other week about us battering Everton. It probably shows the state of Everton, doesn't it, at the moment? Everton is shite. I don't regret that whatsoever. But no, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping wrong. I probably am wrong. Um, and also, I'm thinking if I say this, you know, then the opposite will happen. So there's a little Steve, bit. But of... Steve, Steve, let me ask you, right? Is this about your 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 pessimism? Is it about Watford or about City? It's about once a season, we always have an away game where basically they're really up for it, and that they kind of they, they just you know blitzers and we've got no defence it usually happens at Leicester it always seems to happen in a 5.30 kickoff on a Saturday and I've just got the feeling that this is going to be the one but, but I, haven't I, we had it in Spurs well I mean Spurs okay they're on a struggling season but they're still a, a top six rival they're still up there it's, it's normally against you know your Watfords your kind okay. of it, it, yeah it, so it's just going to be that game of the season and then we'll look back on it in a year's time and we've won a Premier League title and we'll just laugh about it. But <laughs> thanks for that, Steve. Make it feel fantastic. Anyway, thanks for listening to the pod. <laughs> Have no. a good day, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm wrong. I'm bound to be wrong, but yeah. Um another kind of upset, if you like, I well, this one I hope does happen, might occur at Old Trafford um this weekend. Uh, United host Crystal Palace. So just kind of quickly, if we look upon that, because there has been developments uh, at Old Trafford this week with Rangnick coming in, of course. This is his first game where he can actually be on the touchline, uh, pick the team and all the rest of it. Um, Palace are an interesting proposition under Vieri. Um, They've done really well. It's just they they keep conceding late goals. They've conceded five, I think, post the 86th minute this season, four of which were pivotal and, and kind of result deciding. Um, Chris, how do you view United where they are right now post Solskjaer, or is it too early to say? I'm still I, I, in the last two games I've played uh, with Carrick. I've not seen 
any change in the mentality on the field and off the field as well. That there's still this really obnoxious belief that any manager comes in is, is just is just managing the inevitable that that's United will regain, you know, their their their, their prominence in the Premier League, hmm. and and, it, and it's still. You know, you saw the whole reaction to Ronaldo's um, goals last night. There's just there's just naive belief every time that they win a game that everything is it, 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 it is back on 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 track again. But um, I don't know. I think that it depends how much time he has with them on the training field. That they, they may be they may be more defensively solid. They may have a little bit more of a pressing game. Uh, but he needs to have the right personnel there. It, I think it's quite hard to call because I think both of these teams, Palace, have improved significantly under Vieira. Yeah. They're, they're a lot more robust. They they look fitter than than they have they've done before. They play for an entire ninety minutes. They've conceded almost as many goals. No, they've they've scored almost as many goals as they've conceded. So there's a sort of mediocrity there. But I don't know. It, it, it's it, it, as you say, Palace concede late goals, so they're sort of prime target for, for United. At the same time, United still carry this air of complacency, which is based on entitlement. So I think that Palace do actually have a reason have, have a reasonable chance uh, against them. I wouldn't like to call it, but I would like to see Palace take four points. There. Oh, absolutely. Um, Chris, anything to kind of add regarding United? Um, did you watch the game last night, for example, against Arsenal? Is that for me or Harry? Uh, uh, sorry, Harry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I watched it. I just... I don't like watching United, but someone had it on the TV in the pub, so I was watching Same here. It. Exactly same, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, United are a really baffling one to work out at the moment. I, I'm, I've been trying to have debates all week about is this like the safest appointment that United have made and the most sensible appointment considering he's going to go into a... Is it a consultancy role? Is that <laughs> yeah. what he said? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, honest to God, this this team baffles me. It's a collective group of world-class players that just will not work for each other. It is just like an, an it's like an I'm a celebrity lineup. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard to because it's it's just the Ronaldo show at the moment. And if he if he isn't there and relying on the moments of magic that he brings, then yeah, they're, they're not there at the moment. So they're so reliant on him. Yeah, and it, you know, all I've heard this week is about him, and he's and he's pressing, and this is this is you know he's the godfather of pressing and Klopp and Tuchel worship the ground he walks on and stuff like that, and I just I just picturing Paul Pogba and Cristiano Ronaldo pressing my head, and I just laugh, and it just brings me back down to everything. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll be all right. I am um, a United fan, a friend, I should say, said last night after the win, you know, feeling quite giddy. Uh, talk about Rangnick. Um, and his influence on, you know, Tuchel and, and Klopp. He said, never go to the man who knows, go to the man who taught that man what he knows. And I, was like, and I just thought, oh, great, it's brilliant. Just start believing that. That's that's fine by me. If that's what you want to buy into, great. But, but I, I think what people are missing now, though, is what manager of any substance and dignity accepts a a temporary contract? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on a provisional basis, yes, there might be scope for him to be offered the job on a full time basis. But it, but United have made it very clear that this is an interim appointment. What manager of any calibre accepts that? And 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 he's had a career in football, but he hasn't won anything. He's had a certain amount of sustained in terms of uh, consistency with teams. 
But it, it's it, again, it just rings of it. United are trying to suggest that they have a strategic approach <laughs> for this, yeah. and I just see further chaos yeah. because that because there will be a commercial incentive from United to Rangnick to say you must play Ronaldo, and if possible, you must play Pogba because of the commercial benefits of that. And any manager worth his souls would say, I'll play them if one, they are fit, adapt, and, and they adapt to, to my system. That, at the minute, the manager's job at United is nothing more than a poison chalice uh, because of all that, what's at stake around that club at the moment again. And, and I, I, you know, I don't wish the guy any ill will, but I hope it's an absolute categoric failure. I do. <laughs> I'm going to say I do. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that United fans are getting somewhat excited about a manager having somewhat of an idea about what he yeah. wants to play probably sums up where they are at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, lads, because I, th- I thought I might have brought the pod down a little bit with my Watford talk, but um, you brought it back up. <laughs> you can always rely on Man United, guys. Exactly. Um, so thank you for that, and thanks for joining me today, Harry. Really appreciate it, mate. Yeah, pleasure, mate. Thanks, Chris. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, pleasure as always. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening in. That's a wrap for today, folks. It's been short and sweet because I now have to go and interview a former Liverpool player about how amazing Mo Salah is being this season. Seriously, fuck my life. Until next time, (laughs) (laughs) take care of yourselves and forever up the magnificent blues.